Welcome to the Tarleton BSM Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Megan Trotter. Trotter. I'd like to formally or informally, because I have tennis shoes on, welcome you to 402. Um, if this is your first time to 402, you came on a great night because we are finishing up a fresh start. Um, so next week would be a great week to come to and bring someone new because we're starting a new series. It's always good to come on the finish, the middle, and the end of series. So uh, it's pretty much always a good Thursday to spend at 402. Um, but we've been calling this a fresh start because, for one, all of 2020 was us begging to get out of 2020, um, begging for COVID to be over, begging for the election to be over, begging for us to be out of quarantine, begging for classes to go back to in-person, like everything about 2020 were over. Um, and 2021 has not fixed any of those things. Um, but we, we serve a God who's a professional in fresh starts. And so it's really easy to look through scripture and find some fresh starts because our God's kind of a pro at it. And so the past couple of weeks, um, we've looked at pretty much all over the Bible. We looked at Moses, who's one of the like big, early, early main characters. We looked at Isaiah, who's like somewhere in the middle of the Bible. And then my friend Clayton talked about this woman who had essentially like had her period for 12 years that encountered Jesus, which is in the New Testament. This is in the second half of the Bible. Um, And today, we're kind of kind of jump back closer to where Isaiah was, kind of middle of the Bible. So if you're new to us or new to the Bible, the Bible is divided into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is the story of God's people, Israel, and how they started just kind of like one family, and then they grew into this huge nation. They're like in and out of slavery, in and out of a relationship with God, they do good, and then they have a good king, and then they'd be bad, and they'd have a bad king, and oh, it's just, they're really like, really dramatic, pretty much. If you want emotional whiplash, read the Old Testament, because they're just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, but we're going to be looking at a prophet. So Isaiah was a prophet. We kind of talked about him like a little. We read one verse from the book of Isaiah the first week, um, but we're going to read three chapters so some of you are like, please don't. We're going to read three chapters of a book tonight, almost three chapters. And so you're going to like get a full dose of who this prophet is. But before I even tell you who it is, something you need to know about prophets is these guys were men that God had asked to be his like mouthpiece. They're like, hey, you come. God was like, you come spend time with me. I'll tell you word for word what I want you to go tell Israel. And so sometimes he'd be like, I need you to go tell this, the king of Israel. And sometimes he'd be like, I need you to tell Israel something. Okay. But it was usually something bad. I'll be honest with you. It's usually Israel did something wrong. And God's like, I'm trying to help you here. Listen, like you're going to, you're going to tear yourself up again. You're going to get yourself back in slavery. Let me help you. Let me like teach you something. And he'd use these prophets to do this. Um, But these prophets were like one of a kind type of personality styles. So Usually, they're pretty hard, like they say the truth, and they don't care if you're crying afterwards. They just say the truth, which some of us have friends like that. Some of us are friends like that. Um, But we say things, and we're just like, 
that's it. That's the truth. And we just walk off while our friend cries. We're like, we hate him. We hate your boyfriend. Like, that's just it. So like, we, we tell the truth. That's, that's like the prophets. They tell the truth. They don't care who they're talking to. They're just going to say it like it is and stick to their guns. In addition to that, they're willing to do anything to get their point across. And God would have them do <laughs> anything to get their point across. And so when we, when we read Isaiah, Isaiah said, here I am, send me. And he said it with no details. God said, I need somebody. And Isaiah said, whatever it is, I'll do it. That's kind of how the prophets were. They're like, whatever it is, I'll do it. They put their yes on the table. Well, this prophet has his own book, and it's the book of Hosea. Okay, so if you've got your Bibles, flip them open or flip them on. If you don't, they'll be on the TV screens everywhere. But Hosea is like kind of in the middle. It's like behind Daniel. It's really small. So if you're like, I can't find it, I'm embarrassed. I, I had to put a marker in here so y'all didn't think I was dumb. It's really hard to find. It's, it's, it's not a very big book. But Hosea is, the, is his story and his family's story is the one we're going to look at tonight as our case study for a fresh start. So um, if you'll get there, we're going to just kick it off in chapter one. Okay. Um, let's see. Yeah. So verse one, you see on the screens, it's pretty much context. It's like, here's what's going on. Here's the time period. Here's all these names that Megan can't pronounce. Verse two, when the Lord began to speak through Hosea, so just like I said, that's what prophets do. They speak for God. And the Lord said to him, go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. Okay, so like I told you, they do anything. They do anything and God would have them do anything so that Israel would wake up and pay attention. And on this, this specific instance, God asked him to marry a promiscuous woman. For those of us who didn't grow up in the 1800s, trying to think of it like what's what's okay for the live stream um a harlot which is a harlot is somebody who's really scandalous scandalously dressed scandalously open that's that's the word i'm gonna go with open to anyone okay um so you're you're probably like why would god ever ask someone to do this um just just to make my point there's other prophets who did weird things for example isaiah this is homework for next week you can find it isaiah like walked around naked for three years and the homework is to find out why God asked him to do that, but I'm not going to go there. Anyways, but Hosea was asked to marry a promiscuous woman. Verse 3, so he married Gomer, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. First of all, I don't know if, like, Gomer was an adulteress before he got married to her, if he was like, I know an adulterous woman, and he, like, married her, or if that was just something that God was like, this is going to happen to you. Whoever you marry, they're going to be an adulterer. Okay, but then the Lord said to Hosea, call him, so the son, Jezreel, because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre at Jezreel. So Israel's doing some bad stuff, and I will put an end to the, into the kingdom of Israel. And in that day, I'll break Israel's bow in the valley of Jezreel. Second thing God does or ask Hosea to do, that's a little odd, that probably we would never see nowadays. But God asked him to name his son <laughs> Jezreel, which pretty much means God will sow judgment. What a good name. My name means pearl. I don't know if my parents meant that. I don't even think I have any characteristics of a pearl. But this, this guy's name is God will sow judgment. I, I was going to read all this chapter, but I'm going to kind of just 
just hang with me. I'm going to tell you kind of what happens, paraphrase. So um, verse 6, they have a daughter, okay? Then he, he says, the Lord tells Hosea, call her Lo-Ruhamah, which means not loved. <laughs> Y'all should definitely look up the meanings of your names after this. Um, that's the discussion question. I'm just kidding. Uh, okay, but then you go um, to verse 10 and, or no, 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 sorry. In verse 9, it says the Lord, this so they had another son. And the Lord said, call him Lo-Ami, which means not my people. Okay, so God, God asked Hosea to marry a, an adulterous woman. So a woman who's going to like cheat on him, who already has been around. And then he says, all of your kids, I'm going to name them for you. And they're not pleasant names. They're not even hopeful names. Okay, and it's like, what's your kid going to turn out to be? Well, not my people. So, okay. So God asked him to do this all for the sake of speaking something to Israel because Hosea is a man of God who his life and his commitment for, for his whole life and all of his words is to proclaim the message of God. And so in his life, he's proclaiming a message to God. And so if you look after all those verses, God explains why his kids are named those things. For example, it says God will show judgment to Israel for what they did at Jezreel. He then says, I will... They're not loved because I will no longer show love to Israel um, because I sh should I even forgive them at all is what he says in verse six. And then in verse eight, he names his son, not my people. And he says, because Israel's not my people and I'm not their God. Okay. If you're reading this for the first time, or even if you've read it before, but it's been a while, it can seem like God's being really harsh, Right. But something from this story that we really need to understand is that God has been hurt by Israel. And if I can think of the anger we take out on people when we're hurt, and God is rightfully like he's good and he has no skewed perspective. And so when God is angry, like he has a right to be angry because he's a perfect perspective on it. And so God's been hurt by Israel. So when we read about Moses two weeks ago, God used Moses to lead Israel out of slavery from Egypt and he did it in this miraculous way and they pretty much plundered Egypt with all this gold and he gave them this new promised land and this new life and hope and he gave them all these promises that Jesus would come and save them from their sins not only save them physically but save them spiritually and Israel spits in God's face Israel is like we can't do this with just God we need these countries as our allies. It's a true story. This is what Israel does. He's like, God will protect us, but we also need plan B. We, we need this country to back us up and this country to back us up, and we'll take their gods with us. We'll worship their gods to appease them. So they'd worship like carved idols. And so they pretty much did what Gomer will do to Hosea. Israel cheats on God. That's the word, cheats. They cheat on God after all he's done for them. He saved them, he provided for them, and he promised to save them spiritually, and they cheat on God. And God has never backed on his word. There's no reason not to trust God, but they choose not to trust God. And so God is telling Hosea, you need to tell Israel about this like that I'm angry, that they're no longer my people, and I'm having a hard time forgiving them, okay? 
This is not where the story ends. This, this beautiful part fresh starts. And the beautiful part about the story is that that's not where it ends. And so if you look in verse 10, it says, yet, a.k.a. but. The Israel will be like the sands on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted. In the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, they will be called children of the living God. The people of Judah and the people of Israel will come together and they will appoint one leader and will come out of the land and it will be a great day. Okay? So God says, yet, even though they've treated me like this, and even though they don't deserve to be called my people, and even though they don't deserve my love, I will love them and I will grow them and their country will flourish. So we see, we see God ask this crazy thing of Hosea and Hosea does it and, and just to get a point across. And so that may lead you kind of wondering, where's Hosea in this story? Is Hosea just stuck with this woman with children with bad names? Like, spoiler, no, okay. In chapter three, gosh, I'm so sorry, Jasmine, I'm jumping around, all my slides are not right. Okay, but in chapter three, we pick back up where Hosea is. It says, the Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. Don't ask me what that means. So I brought her for, I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and about a lithic of barley. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days and you must not be a prostitute or intimate with any other man and I will behave the same way towards you. For the Israelites will live many days without a king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred stones, without ephod or household gods. Afterwards, the Israelites will return and seek the, the Lord their God and David their king and they will come trembling to the Lord and to his blessings in the last day. So God goes back to Hosea and he says, go get your wife, which for one means that his wife wasn't home, okay? So Hosea married this woman, gave her a home, provided for her, gave her children, which was a big deal in this context. I know now some of us are like, ew, children. But like for them, it was a really big deal. And he did all these things for her and she wasn't home, which means she was with some other man. Second thing to know is he says, I bought her, which means not only was she gone, but she was selling herself. She was a prostitute. She was selling herself to other men. Some, so Hosea, who had a right to her, who'd done everything right for her, had to go buy her, even though he was, she was already his. And the whole point of this is that God is like that, too. And God feels that about Israel too. And I'm going to go back a little bit. So in chapter 2, in verse 14, we see what the Lord does for Israel. And he teaches this to Hosea. It says, Therefore, I'm now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. Then I will give her back her vineyards and make the valley of Acre a door of hope. There she will respond as in the days of her youth, as in the day she came out of Egypt. Remember we talked about Moses delivered Israel out of Egypt. And in that day, declares the Lord, you'll call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. I'll remove the names of the Baals, sorry, it's other gods, from her lips. No longer will their names be invoked. And in that day, I'll make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field, the birds of the sky, and the creatures that move along the ground. Bow and sword and battle, I will abolish from the land so that all may lie down in safety. I will betroth you to me forever. 
I'll betroth you in righteousness and justice and love and compassion. I'll betroth you in faithfulness and you will acknowledge the Lord. And in that day, I will respond, declares the Lord. I will respond to the skies and they will respond to the earth and the earth will respond to the grain, new wine and olive oil, and they will respond to Jezreel. And I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one I called, not my loved one. And I will say to those called, not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. God goes after Israel. He allures her into the desert. He speaks softly and tenderly to her. Even though we just kind of read this, this chapter one kind of felt like he is really angry. But when he goes to her, he speaks tenderly to her. And he says, I just want to be your husband. I don't want to be your master. I don't want you to just do what I'm told because you're, do what you're told because you're scared of me. I don't want you to just do what you're told because you're dependent on me. I want you to come with me because you love me. Okay. And Hosea has to do this same, same thing for Gomer. And the truth is, the fresh start story here is Gomer. It's not Hosea. Because Hosea has to go and buy her back and allure her back home and get her to a point where she realizes that he's all, all she needs. We do this too. Just like Israel, Israel ran to other gods, ran to other nations. We run to things all the time that end up biting us in the butt, okay? Israel, the same country Israel had a partnership with are the same ones that sent them into captivity. Just read a couple stories like after this. Like God is trying to warn them, they are out to abuse you. They don't care about you. They're not looking out for the best for you. And it's going to bite you in the butt. And sometimes for us, that's, that is a literal relationship. Like we've, I mean, some of us have been cheated on. Like we gave someone way more than we should have. They abused it and then took it to the next person. Sometimes it's been people we didn't have a choice in dealing with, like our family, our parents. They said that they would be one way. We depended on them. We needed them. Our identity was in them and they abused it. Maybe it's in ourselves. If I can be honest, that's, that's the field I run in. If I'm going to lean on anything else, if I'm going to worship anything else, if I'm going to trust in anything else, it's going to be my ability to do my job to achieve my dreams. And I think that's the culture of our campus is we work hard and we get the American dream. We get the job, we get the husband, we get the kids, and we get to float on a boat in Mexico every summer for a week because it's a cruise and we get coping. But like we we put our faith and we put all our eggs in these baskets and they always fall through. It's like, it's like we just, I don't know if y'all lived in the country. I don't know why I'm even going here. But like you put your eggs in the basket and there's just a snake go like eating them. Like that's what it's like. We just keep putting money where it doesn't go anywhere. I think of, I think of all the people who have cried and wasted their college career getting a degree that didn't even get them the job they wanted. Like, guys, I'm out, of, I'm out of Tarleton. I can tell you how many of my friends had the job that they wanted, and it's not very high. And so if you waste your whole college career just for a degree, then good for you. But a relationship with God is all that's going to last. And so when we look at God and he says, in that day, declares the Lord, you will 
call me my husband and you will no longer call me my master. I think that's the Lord calling out for us in a fresh start. I think that's the Lord saying, I want to give you a fresh start. I am what you need. And I'm the one who's given you everything good you've ever had. Because God truly has provided for us. And we, we're the ones who run away. We're the ones who chase after other things. Um, but God continually gives us that fresh start. If I could get us to leave with anything tonight, it's for one to know that he comes for us and he pays for us. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, and you were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. The wage being the cost. The cost of sin is death. And when we left God, when we ran after other idols, when we ran after other things to make us feel safe, to make us feel valued, to make us feel secure, that's, that's what sin is. Sin is anything that takes us away from God. And as soon as we did that, the wage, the cost of that is death. And so when 1 Corinthians says we are bought at a price, that's the price was death. So Jesus came in the New Testament. God promised Israel over and over and over again, I will send you a Savior who will save you from your sins, who will save your soul like the spiritual, eternal part of you, I will send Jesus to save you. And Jesus wanted us so desperately that he paid with his life. And so it was not just a price, but it was a costly price. A perfect God laid down his life to restore us back to God, back to love, back to life, and back to a true family. Just like Hosea runs and he, he has to buy his own wife back, even though she's the one who's selling herself. Like that's what God does for us is that he buys us back even though we're the ones selling ourselves. One of Some of the most difficult friends to have, our family members, are those ones that always bring back up what you did wrong. You know, they're always saying, oh no, I can't trust you because you did this 10 years ago. They hold that over your head. They make you pay for it every time, you know. They, they keep a list of things you've done wrong. And those, those are sucky friends. But if there's anyone who has a right to hold our mistakes against us, it's God. See, God is perfect. God has no skewed view of anything. He can perfectly see our mistakes and our intentions behind them. You know, sometimes we're like, well, it was intentions that matter. Our intentions aren't even good. Most, most, more often than our actions, our intentions are worse. And so God is the one who has a right to hold it over our head, but he doesn't. In fact, he gives us fresh starts over and over and over and over and over again. There's this story in the New Testament with Jesus, and he, they, they drag out this adulterous woman, kind of like Gomer. They caught her in the middle of having sex with somebody who wasn't her husband. And they drug her out in the middle of the city, and they said, the law says we stone her. And Jesus says, whoever has no sin can throw the first stone and one by one they realize i have sinned so they drop the rock and they walk off they're like okay i get it jesus i'm fine but jesus stands there and he says that she's forgiven but the beauty in that story is that jesus said whoever doesn't have sin throw the first stone and jesus was the only one on this planet at the time who had no sin who could have stoned her but he didn't and that's our story too. That's our story too. 
is that God has every right to annihilate us off the planet. I know that's, that's not a fun thing to say out loud. Like, you're like, why would you say that to me? But like, God has every right to send us to hell for eternity, to die over and over and over again, because that's the wage of sin. That's, that's what we did to a good God who created us perfectly, who had this beautiful plan for us, who provides us, who's the only reason we have breath in our lungs right now. The only reason our blood is still pumping is because God is good. And so God has every right for the times that we choose to ignore him and disrespect him. He has every right to stone us, but he doesn't. And 1 John 1, 9 says, um, if we confess our sins, so if we'll, just, if we'll just admit it, like that's all God asks for. If we, just, if we just say, I have messed up, like I have lived my own path, I have trusted in these fake gods then he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And so if you're here tonight, um, band, if y'all would come up, if you're here tonight and you just feel the weight of that, if you feel the weight of your sins from last semester or the weights that people still hold over your head from high school and junior high and when you were a kid, if you feel like that sin is holding you back, it is. But Jesus sets us free, and we can give those over to him if we'll just confess them. He's faithful and just to forgive. And so like Hosea, he runs after us every time we cheat on him, every time we sell ourselves to something else. And so my prayer is tonight that if you have any sin, that you would feel like you can give it to God. Um, he is faithful and just to forgive. And I'm not under the illusion that all of us in the room would call ourselves Christians. And the truth is, there's some of us in this room that would call ourselves Christians, but we don't know Christ on an intimate level. So our Jesus, he died for our sins and he resurrected from the grave, um, but he didn't just go into retirement to sit on his throne. He's living and he's active and his Holy Spirit lives within us and he gives us a new life where we can carry out his mission here on earth. I mean, he lets us be a part of proclaiming his word like Hosea and Isaiah and Mo Moses and the bleeding woman and all of these stories we've looked at because God gives us this grander purpose if we just only accept it. Thank you for listening to the Tarleton BSM podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe. To keep up with everything Tarleton BSM, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Tarleton BSM. See you next time.